Attention, independent pet pros. Let me introduce you to the Pet Shop Girls, presented by Pet Product News. All right, hey everybody, I'm Sherry. Happy New Year, Pet Pro. I am Carly from Canada, and we are five days away from Ukrainian Christmas. Does anybody care? Does anybody celebrate that in the U.S.? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay, so here we go again. The differences between Canada and the U.S. January 7th, five days from now, is Ukrainian Christmas, and I am Ukrainian. This is why I know these things. I celebrated Christmas with everybody else, but we'll have a special dinner on January 7th. Are you going to have pierogies? Oh, you bet I'm going to have more pierogies. Pierogies are a staple at a Ukrainian Christmas dinner. It is New Year's. It is the second day of 2024. I hope that everybody had a fantastic holiday season, a fantastic New Year's, a safe New Year's, and is ready to rumble in 2024 because that's what we are here to do. Yeah? Yeah. At least take a breath. If you're on the ball, you should have done your inventory yesterday. So congratulations. Or you'd be doing it today. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, because the first is a stat, right? So if you're doing inventory on the stat, you are paying extra overtime to get that inventory done. Uh, so see, we, do it, we do it on the first because we're, we're closed. We like to, it takes us about eight hours. Yeah. it yeah. takes. You're lucky eight hours. It takes us 16. It takes me 16. Oh. The girls are there counting. I got four people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But today we're talking about the the top things that we wish we knew when we were new. Yes, because there are, let me just say, do we know everything now? No, we do not. But do we know much more than when we started? Yes, we do. And there are some things that I think if you're a brand new pet pro out there and you want to do it without making the same mistakes that those of us who did not know who came before you made, then if you could know what we wish we knew, when we were new, you can avoid some of those costly mistakes and mistakes that still bug you to this day because you made them. Yes. And look, I want to say this. Look, so I I started my business 17 years ago and Facebook was still just for college kids. There weren't these groups that you could utilize, ask questions about bestsellers or how to do things. I didn't have any of those resources. So there was a lot of mistakes that I made that I wish somebody would have told me to do differently. So that's what we're here today to help you with. Did you want to kick us off, Carly? I will kick us off because I think about it like when you talk about 17 years ago, the things that were different than today, I started my business just over four years ago and things were still different than they are today. For example, when I set up my business and I was writing my business plan, I knew that I wanted to have the ability for people to order online for me. But even four years ago, that was a novel idea in a pet store. I had it in my business plan. So one of the benefits was for me is because I knew I wanted to sell online, I made sure that I had the infrastructure in place prior to opening so that when I wanted to actually sell online, which was supposed to be phase three of House of Paws, I could essentially flip the switch and make it happen. It's not quite that simple. For simplicity here, I could flip a switch. 
So I knew I wanted to do that. It was supposed to be phase three. COVID made it phase now. I was the first store in my city to have a true, fully functional e-commerce pet store ability shopping online. I was the first store in Regina to have that online store. And it was because I had the infrastructure in place to do that. So if you are just starting out and you're thinking, back the bus up, I cannot be dealing with online and trying to figure out how to do my in-store sales, I need to focus on one thing first. My advice would be that you put the infrastructure in place Even if you're not going to sell online, have an e-commerce website. And and that's what I did initially is my e-commerce website was there, though I was not using it as an e-commerce site. I was simply using it as a website that people could go and see what we sold. And it had some of our stuff, not everything, but for the most part, it had all of our foods. And you could see their different prices and whatever, but you couldn't order. And then COVID happened. And I thought, holy cow, everything was restricted, right? We didn't know if we could stay open, all the things. And so I quickly threw together a Google sheet that I was sharing with a link to tell people because my store, though it was there, my online store, it was not fully functional. And and in my head, that was phase three. And we weren't in phase three yet when COVID happened. So I put together this Google sheet that people could essentially fill out a form and tell me what they wanted to order. But if you didn't see what you were looking for, call us because I didn't put everything on there. And then it hit me one day. I'm like, what am I doing? I have the ability to flick that switch. I had to add some products and what have you. But it wasn't like if I turned on the online store, it was all of a sudden then going to go away and I wasn't going to use it. It was always part of my plan. It just wasn't part of the plan at that point. So I made it part of the plan at that point. And I have never looked back. I drive people to that online store every chance I get. I'll tell you, the benefits with an online store is you could have customers coming into your store every week, but they don't always see everything you have. But when they go online, they start to see things that they didn't know you had. And because they don't see it when they're in store where all of your product is, but your customer doesn't, right? Everything is new and different to them. And you move stuff around on an online store. They can look by category. They can shop by brand. They can shop just your best sellers. But having an online store is critical, in my opinion. Plus, you've told me that like when you're shut down or I don't know if weather has to shut you down, or if you're shut down for a holiday, you do decent sales online. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we, so we just finished our boxing week sale again. I get it. It's Canada's thing only end of the year, clear out in the U S but when the best thing about my online store is when I'm sitting there over Christmas in my jammies, sipping on hot cocoa with my bunny slippers on watching movies, whatever I'm doing. And my phone is ding, ding, because sales are coming in. Nobody is in my store. I am not paying wages. We are literally closed for four days over Christmas. We close for four days over Christmas, but we host our Boxing Week sale and it is online and in store. So when they can't get to the store because we're closed, they shop online. And I sit there and thousands of dollars come in a day while I sit there in my bunny slippers because I have an online store or even outside of when we're closing during holidays or closing on stats or whatever we're doing, 
We close at six every day. We close at six Monday to Saturday and we close at four o'clock on Sundays. But if you happen to work late that day or you didn't get off until nine o'clock at night, but oh crap, I need to get dog food. They go online and they order it and it's delivered to them the next day. So it allows your customers to shop with you 24 seven. It allows you to drive traffic to your website, which is also how you guys have heard me talk about the revenue that we generate from our emails. We do that because we have an online store. So in my emails, I can direct them to my website and they start shopping because, oh, geez, I forgot I need to get dog food. And she just sent an email about carving pumpkins or whatever I sent. And that's the reminder that they have to get dog food and they just order online. So an online store, do it. Don't let Amazon and Chewy discourage you on this one because Carly is proof here that a small business can do a decent amount of money through an online store. It's funny that you bring up Amazon because we had one of our vendors in store last year, which was two days ago, but last year they came in for a different event and one of our customers came in, they were there for the event, but they started talking to us about one of the products that we sell. And they said, yeah, the only other place we can find it is Amazon and it's $249. I'm like, what? I sell it for 139. And I said to him, I said to my customer, I'm like, are you telling me I can raise my prices? Not till I buy mine. <laughs> but so I have an online store and there are, you guys all know, obviously Chewy, but Amazon is starting to sell a lot more pet products. My vendor who was in the store, she said, yeah, our treats are on there for $30 a package. I'm like, what? Ours in store are $12.99. And so I can also use that to my advantage. You think it's so much easier buying on Amazon. Sometimes you are not getting the best price. You could shop on my website just as easily as you could shop on Amazon's. And you're going to get it for a third of the price when it comes to the treats and half when it comes to this other product that this customer was talking about. Anyways, I just thought it was interesting. Like a lot of people, you're right. They're scared of like, how do I compete with Chewy and Amazon? Well, a lot of times we're cheaper than them. So don't let that discourage you. You need to look after your own business. You got to stay in your lane. And part of your lane includes an online store. All right, we're going to move on to the next tip. And that is have a robust chew bar. Look, when Mm. I started out, I probably had about five canisters of chews, like bully sticks and pig ears and whatnot next to my register. And that's all I had. I really wish somebody would have told me that I need at least four feet of chews because not only do you get good margin, but people like to get a treat or something when they pick up their dog from grooming. Today, I have about 50 canisters and I revenue about $10,000 a month in chews alone. I did some numbers uh, a few years back and I saw that I was selling through my chews a lot faster than any other department. So I decided to expand that department. That's where you want to look at your turns and your balance on inventory and you can spot things like this. Be sure you have a diverse collection. If you're going to expand, you want different chews for different chew styles. Uh, You got your heavy chewers, your light chewers, your big dogs, your small dogs. Plus, you'll need a variety of price points. Not everybody's going to want to buy a $15 bully stick. So these days, collagen is a big deal and it's it's cheaper and it, it lasts almost as long. Plus, you can run, because you have good margin on this type of product, you can run cool sales. 
Like we do a buy five, get one free bonus bone bash. People love it. They'll bring up three chews like that they would normally buy. And then my staff is prompted to say, if you buy two more, you'll get a free one. Let me tell you what, it boosts our sales quite a bit. Yes. Expand that chew bar. We honest to God, we have customers who come in and literally they buy five to $600 in chews alone. It's crazy. I'm telling you, like we, there, we have a couple, it's not just one. We, well, we, okay. We have one who will come in and literally drop a thousand dollars on chews. She's in my store. Like once a month. She had two Huskies and they like their chews. And so she would come, she, yeah, she would usually come once a month. They were buying food as well and they would buy other supplements and stuff, but on chews alone, she will drop a thousand dollars. And then we have a couple other customers, literally they just, they come in with armfuls of chews. Their dogs love chews and they're like, Hey, this keeps them entertained. It's healthy. It's good for them. And they drop like five to $600 on just chews. Having that diverse selection of chews variety for all different dog sizes and the margins are great. We do, we typically do a buy three, get your fourth one free. So essentially when we sell them for 25% off, which is essentially what we're doing, we are still making a good chunk of cash from our chews. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your next tip, Carly? My next tip. Okay. Here I am back on my email ranty pants machine. You guys have heard me say it. You need to be sending those weekly emails. And I'm just, I'm going to go back to what I didn't know when I was new and what I, what I knew now that I'm not new. (laughs) When everybody, this is even from before I opened my store. Everybody said weekly emails, weekly emails, weekly emails. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm going to, I'm going to tick people off and they're going to unsubscribe and they're not going to be one of, they're going to not going to want to be part of my list. And every marketing expert that I talked to talked about once a week email. So let me tell you, the first thing I want to say is for those of you who are thinking, oh my God, they're going to unsubscribe, let them. If you are not getting unsubscribes on your email list, you are not sending enough emails. I will tell you that right now. The other thing is it keeps you top of mind. This is why I'm saying weekly, even if the people, because a lot of pet pros are going to say, I'm going to take all this time to generate these emails. And then these people are just going to delete them anyways, let them, but you know what they see in their inbox every single week, house of pause, house of pause, house of pause, house of pause. And even if they just delete it, they still see house of pause. It keeps me top of mind to be sending my weekly emails. When I first opened my store, there I was sending my monthly email, but we want to send weekly, but I would send monthly. And then I would immediately race in there to look at the metrics and say, oh my God, three people unsubscribed. What am I going to do? I have to close the doors. I was so devastated when anybody would unsubscribe, but You've said it before too, Sherry, when they unsubscribe from your email list, they are not part of your tribe. They, you want to build that following of loyal customers who give a crap about what you have to say. They look forward to your emails. We have, it's coming out here in a couple of weeks, our annual customer survey. And we regularly get our customers responding to that survey saying, I love the emails. Now, You've probably heard me say it before. You can't just send emails to sell your stuff. Sell, sell, sell. Well, this is what I said. I used to say this before. Pitch, 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 and your email or your customers will ditch, ditch, ditch. 
So you can't continue to pitch and then not expect them to ditch because they will. But if you are giving value, and I'm going to go back to that 80-20, 80% of your email should be giving value to your customer and 20% should be, hey, by the way, I sell stuff just in case you wanted to buy something. So then they, there is value associated. You are continually depositing into your customer's emotional bank account. And when you say, hey, I sell stuff, that's you making a withdrawal saying, hey, I buy my stuff. But focusing on the, the metrics of who's unsubscribing is the wrong thing to do. I did it. And I was devastated every time somebody unsubscribed from my list. But the metric you need to focus on is the revenue that you're generating, which goes back to having that online store. You got to have that in order to see those metrics. I want to add to that, make it easy for people to sign up. Say they're interested in your store and they've checked out your website because you've got some cool social media going on. I recently installed a pop-up on my website. And if they've never been to my website before, the pop-up shows up and it says, Receive this free ebook if you sign up today. So I give them a, a free gift of sorts if they sign up. And then I get an alert whenever anybody does that. And my email sign up rate has probably doubled because of that pop up on my website. Yep. And further to that, to collect emails like you are going out of business. Okay. Whether you, whether you're brand new or you've been doing this for 20 years, you collect emails like your life depends on it because the value associated with an active email list in any business is almost half of what you would sell your business for. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is true. Businesses uh, that don't have emails they ask their selling price when they try to sell and the buyer says, okay, let me look over things. Where's your email list? Oh, you don't have one. I'll give you half of what you're asking for because they have no way to communicate with the customers. Think about when social media goes down, if you are only relying on social media to communicate with your customers and social media goes down or you're out of uh, in a service area that you don't have, you can't access your Facebook or your Instagram. If that's the only way you're communicating with your customer, here's the other big difference between your email list and your social platforms. Your social platforms are rented space. Your email list is owned property and it is a tangible asset in your business. If Zuckerberg pulled the pin on us tomorrow and said, nope, no more businesses allowed on Facebook, or Instagram. Or look at what happened to Twitter. Yeah. Like the, you have no control over the social media. You have control over your email list and it becomes that tangible asset in your business that adds value to your business. If you are at a point where you're like, I, I think I need to get out of this racket and I want to sell. Having that active email list, huge value in your business. So whether you are off-site doing events or in-store, every single customer that comes up to your till, you need to be getting that information, their email address. You need to do that. And if you aren't, you have to start. When you go out to events, QR codes. The cherry and I love the QR codes. Have a QR code that takes them to sign up to your email list. And that's how they enter your draw. Or when you do promotions in-store for people to win things, get their email list. Don't give your stuff away for free. If you want to give it away, fine, but get something in return. And that's something that's very valuable is the email list. 
You have to make it worth it for the customer though, too. People are very particular about who and where they give their email addresses. So make your offer worthwhile so that they think, yes, I will give you my email address for that piece of information or for that, a chance to win that or whatever it is, but get the email addresses. Rant done. I'm off the ranting for now. (laughs) Okay. Step down off that soapbox. We're moving on to the next tip and that's have an employee handbook. Mm -hmm. So I used to think that it was fairly pointless to have an employee handbook. (laughs) And that's because I was like, look, even if I made my employees read this, are they going to retain it? And the answer is probably not, they're not going to retain much. But what it does do is it holds them accountable. Plus, if you want to make your handbook very thorough. So if somebody just walked in off the street and tried to run your business, they could do a decent job by reading your handbook. Plus, if you plan to expand to a bigger store or multiple stores, you will definitely need a handbook. So you may as well start now if you're just now starting out. And if you're old school like me, it's never too late. Yeah, you need to get on it. So it's a daunting task, but you just got to start somewhere and add to it. I wanted to add one more thing to that. Carly could talk more about this. Putting it in a digital format is one of my goals this coming year because the employees could search potentially for a certain thing that they may not know how to do really well. So if they forgot to how to ring up how to ring up a gift card, they could search in the digital file for gift card and then that'll pop up out of the handbook. And I believe Carly uses a certain platform and we are not getting paid by them, but I wanted to drop their name. You use Trainual, right? I do. Yes. So I, and I think too, maybe it's just a different word here. You're saying employee handbook, but when I, so my employee handbook is really all of my HRE stuff, right? My HR stuff. So it's what our dress code is. It's the compensation, the different pay scales that we have, how the bonuses are paid. If you need to call in sick, you guys always say call out in the States. We say that you're calling in sick, but anyways. Our employee handbook is all really HR stuff. Now, what you're talking about with regards to processes, how do I ring up a gift card? That is in what we call our playbook. So our playbook is all about the processes at House of Paws that would allow somebody to walk into my store and go, oh, this is how I do all of the things here. But my employee handbook is very specific to HR stuff. And I actually take it one step further when you're saying, Will they read it? And yeah, they might, but they won't retain it. I actually have a sign-off sheet that is associated with our employee handbook that says once, like I go through it with them. And then once they've gone through and read all the rest of it, they literally sign off to say that I read and I accept. And if they don't, well, they were not working there. But that's that's how you can hold them accountable. Yeah. We've got the sign off too. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, we put all of our policies and procedures into one giant book. And yes, I want to get that. I want to get that into a digital format. So it's more easily accessible. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, like we, we, so we have two different ones, but the value of the employee handbook though, too, is well, one, 
it should be a living document. This is not a one and done. You don't make an employee handbook or a playbook or an all in one and then go, that's done on to the next task. It is a living document. So you will continually be updating and modifying and making tweaks. The best thing is you identify your dress code, for example. Okay. So my dress code is you must wear the shirt that I provide. You must wear black non-denim pants and like a comfortable running shoe. If I hired somebody and they came in with red and purple spotted clown pants on, I could say, no, the dress code is right here. And it says that we wear black non-denim bottoms. Oh, okay, Carly. And they change their pants, but then they come in again and now they're in whatever, not the black bottoms that they're supposed to be. I then have the ability to like, it is documented what is expected and you signed off on that. So now if I must, I can go down the disciplinary path and it's right there in black and white and says what they have to, can do, not do all of the things. Now, again, this is just very quick. I do have available on my House of Paws Pet Pro site, an employee handbook, and it is just the HR side of things, but it's easily, you can download it and it's a Word document and you start plunking in your stuff specific to you, but it gives you that good start because it can be a bit of a daunting task. Yeah, I did. I was blessed enough to get somebody else's handbook and then I plunked in my own stuff and added to it and changed it around. So it's nice to have an outline to start out with. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And these days, chat GPT could definitely help you with that too. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. I want to, okay. Is it my tip? Yep. Next tip. (laughs) I want to tell new pet pros out there, even if you aren't a new pet pro, but for any of our pet pros who fear the sale, do not fear the sale. I did when I first opened and I thought I can't put things on sale. I I put out all this money. I got to get back as much as possible in order to cover all my expenses. Sales can be fantastic ways to attract new customers who may not know about you. They're a great way to reward your existing customers who have been loyal to you. They give your customers opportunities to try things that maybe they hadn't tried before because they didn't like the price or whatever the deal. It gives you a chance to be very creative. It helps you fill your social calendar, but do not be afraid. When you are afraid of the sale, and you're like, I must get top dollar and I won't take a dime less, you are literally tripping over nickels or pardon me, you're tripping over dollars to pick up nickels. Like (laughs) you want to get money back in your business. So if that means that you put things on sale, even if they are good movers, they can be slow movers. That's fine. But even some of your top products, put that on some sort of a sale or a promotion you are still generating cash back into your business. I'm not suggesting you take a loss, but I am also saying do not be afraid of the sale because you're not getting top dollar. You're still making money on the items that you're selling on sale. So do not fear the sale. That's a great tip. That's a great tip. I don't have anything to add to that. I swear to God, she just says that when she's, I got nothing to say. I got nothing to say. (laughs) Uh, Sound podcasty, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My next tip is ask for help and hire if you're not good at it. Mm-hmm. So I used to think I had to do it all. Let me tell you what, that led to burnout 
and it was bad news. Recognizing your limitations and seeking help can lead to better results and less stress. So numbers are not my forte. So what did I do? I hired a good accountant and a good bookkeeper and they helped me with my numbers. And when I want to, if I need, if I want to look at my turns, my turn ratios and my balance, I tell my bookkeeper, Hey, can you run those numbers for me? So I don't have to do it. If social media is your weakness, you could hire a social media expert, but, but yeah, have you run into anything like that, Carly? Oh boy. Okay. I, when you talk about accountants, get a good accountant, do your due diligence to ensure that they are in fact an actual charted accountant. <laughs> I did not. I was looking to, oh, I'm like, oh, I just have to pick the guy who's not that expensive. And as it turns out, that was a mistake. And it cost me twice as much as it would have cost me to get a chartered accountant. And I had a terrible she was not an accountant, though she presented herself as an accountant. And that's why I'm saying do your due diligence. In Canada, we can actually look up, are you actually a member of the CPA, the Chartered Accountant Professional Association, whatever it is. I don't know. Anyways, make sure they're actually an accountant because she wasn't. Let me tell you guys at a very high level, this woman like threatened to bring her pit bull in to eat my Yorkie. She was the furthest thing from professional that I have ever met in my life. And it cost me over $10,000 just to get rid of her and because she was holding my documents hostage, even though she screwed them up. Yeah, I, hey, can I squirrel away the cash and pay the bills? Yes, I can. Is going through balance sheets and ledgers my cup of tea? No, it is not. And so get the experts and pay the money. I now have an amazing accountant. So same kind of thing, right? I'm like, hey, guys, show me the numbers on this. And they're like, right away. And they do the things. And uh, I pay them. And it's well worth the investment in my business. It is not an expense. It is an investment in running my business properly. 100%. That was an expensive lesson to learn. $10,000. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, Terrible. that's why we're sharing these tips with you guys today so that uh, maybe we can save you from some heartache. You know what I mean? Okay. Next tip is yours. Mine. Okay. So I'm, this is again, being a brand new retailer not having a lot of experience under my belt when the doors opened. Had I worked retail? Yes, I had. But had I owned retail? No, I had not. And what I want to remind folks, again, newbies or seasoned veterans, that not all customers are the same. And what I mean by that is do not punish the many for the sins of the few. If you have a customer that abuses you in some way with regards to, let's say that you have a very lucrative loyalty program or a very giving loyalty program, and you have a customer who has found a loophole and somehow is able to, for lack of better words, is able to screw you. Don't punish the many for the sins of the few. That person, for the amount of people that will intentionally look for ways to screw you as a business owner, compared to the percentage of people that are just happy they're getting this great loyalty program, the numbers 
are irrelevant when it comes to those who are looking for ways to pull one over on you. So have very friendly customer policies and have as few customer policies as possible. You guys have seen it, right? You walk into a store and they've got like literally a bulletin board of rules and policies of doing business with them. Those are obstacles to doing business with you. If I walk into a store and I see we don't accept this and we don't take that and you can't do this and you won't do that and like all these rules about how I can do business with them, I'm not coming back. So make your customer policies as few and as friendly as possible. That's a great tip. Yes, I've been into stores where it has, they have these signs. Sometimes it's like handwritten signs. It's not friendly. It it doesn't look good. It's not good for your brand. So yeah, don't do that. You know, we have a store here and not only do they have a bunch of really non-friendly customer policies. But if you go to their website, they literally have like a 25 Q&A, like questions and answers about how to do business with them and what you are and aren't allowed to do as a customer when it comes to working with them. And I'm reading this and I'm like, are you kidding me? Who is doing business? You're not allowed to phone. And if you email and you don't hear back in three days, don't email again because we're busy and we'll get you. And these are literally the questions and answers that they have on their website. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you are literally screaming from a rooftop. Do not shop with me because I am not a friendly person. So make your customer, like, Listen, I'm not Costco, okay? I can't return stuff that you bought from me two years ago, but I will do everything I can to try to help you in a situation where you feel you need to return product that you bought from me. I see a lot of pet store owners saying, what do you do when somebody wants to return a half-used bag of food? You return it. That's what you do. Because every single manufacturer stands behind their brand. Now, you might have that one out of a hundred people that are going to try to abuse you. And they're going to bring back a half a bag all the time. In that instance, deal with that customer, but don't implement a blanket policy to punish all of your customers because a couple of them are sinning. I love that tip. Yes. I love that tip because I've had knee jerk reactions too in the past. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this policy because this person did this. And then you have a crap ton of policies that look bad. Um, you know what? And, and like I said, I bring it up because I did it too. Like I, I, again, I opened right before COVID and we had a customer that came in, she bought food. So it was right when the pandemic was starting and we were, I, it was only myself and one other employee at the time and, and she was immunocompromised. So I was trying to protect both of us. And so we actually closed the store to the public for two months. And we had this customer, she came in and she's like reefing on the door. And I'm like, and we had signs up due to the pandemic and all the things. She's, we came here to shop and I'm like, okay. So anyways, we let them in. They're sneezing and coughing and touching everything. And oh yeah. And anyways, they buy two big bags of food and I'm like, well, at least they bought something. And then we're in the full swing of the pandemic and she gets hold of me and she says, my dogs won't eat this food. I need to return it. Okay. So I start talking to her about it. The bags aren't open. I don't know how the dogs didn't eat the food because she didn't even try the food with them. But anyways, my knee jerk reaction to that was I immediately implemented NRA customers. 
no returns allowed. And so we, <laughs> that was my knee jerk reaction. Right. And, and I started like tagging customers in my POS as NRA customers, no returns allowed. And then that customer did come back and actually shop with us. And I realized the errors of my ways. And I went, that's foolish. She, she, whatever. I'd rather her be happy than stuck with $200 worth of food that she's saying her dogs wouldn't eat, whether they would or not. So yeah, don't do the knee jerks and don't punish the many for the crimes of the few. I will say, because the, you made me think of it, we, in our system, I, I have something called yellow flag customers and red flag customers. So the yellow flag ones are ones that you should be wary about. They could be crazy. Just be on your game. The red flag ones are crazy. And they're the ones where you need to stand your ground and don't let them walk all over you. But that's for a whole other podcast uh, yep. show, I would think. We need to wrap this up. So let me get on to the next one. My next tip is learn about pet nutrition. Mm -hmm. Now, um, Car Carly is really good with the pet nutrition. When I started out, I actually didn't know much at all. I was just like, I'm going to start a pet store. <laughs> right after we opened, the big menu foods recall happened. And I realized that I had a leg up over big box stores by capitalizing on the premium brands that were not affected by the recall. I'm not going to go into the menu foods debacle because most people listening know what that was. The knowledge about pet nutrition will set you apart from the competition. And you know what? If we're not all here to help improve the lives of pets, then what are we doing? Right? Some resources I wanted to throw at you, which most of you probably already know. I'm a big fan of Dr. Karen Becker. I follow her, thetruthaboutpetfood.com. Susan Thixton, she sends out recall notices even before the actual recall notices are sent out. I don't know how she does it, but she's amazing. What other resources do you, do you like, Carly? I really, I love Dr. Connor Brady. He wrote Feeding Dogs. It's, it's a 500 page book, but I call it a manual and it truly is how we should be feeding our dogs. So he's fantastic. The Raw Pet Medics, he is uh, one of the trio of the Raw Pet Medics. Dr. Judy Morgan is really good too. Dr. Katie Woodsley, the natural pet doctor. Rodney Habib, you all know that he is my idol. He's a huge advocate for um, pet nutrition and doing the right things for our animals. Billy from Green Juju, another great resource. That website you were telling me the other day that was like Dog Food Advisor, but not? But better. It is sponsored by Chewy, but it's just a lot more detailed and it's called pawdiet.com. And you can compare brands, right? So you can do a side-by-side -side comparison and it will let you know which brands have the controversial or harmful ingredients. That's really important for our store because we are so focused on nutrition that we refuse to carry anything that has controversial or harmful ingredients. And we want our customers to shop with confidence, knowing that they can pick up anything off our shelves and it will positively impact the health of their animal. That's our whole thing. Yeah, it was for me, nutrition was, I just kept thinking before I opened my store, man, I got to know my stuff because otherwise I'm going to have dog food sales guys coming in here trying to sell me the best food under the sun and I wouldn't know any different. So I certified in pet nutrition. I certified in raw nutrition. I certified in advanced canine nutrition. And then I just became a nutrition junkie and I, I spend all my free time learning about pet nutrition. But 
And and I pass that information on to my team for sure, so that my customers have a consistent experience and they can have a trusted resource in our city for asking questions about their pet's nutrition. All right. What's your next tip, Carly? This is my last one. And I am going to say that you want to plan for expansion and growth. And that was something that, again, I did not do as a little newbie pet store owner. I set up my store and I went, ooh, doesn't it look beautiful? Never once thinking past the nose on my face that maybe, maybe I might bring in other products or new products or different products or more products. So here I am. Four years later, I started with three double door freezers. And within a year, I added a single door freezer. And this year, I added two more double door. I didn't get any more space, you guys. I just had to get really creative with where I was moving stuff in my store and how I could set it up to bring in two more freezers. Plan for that expansion and growth. Understand that nothing stays the same. Your product line may not stay the same just because you started. We started with seven brands of food. This year we have 12. And so that's not huge, but I've almost doubled the amount of or the brands of food that I currently carry. I never anticipated that. So that would be a tip for what I wish I knew when I was new is that your store will change. The layout will change. The brands, the products, all of that stuff will change. I had issues with that when I first started too. I remember putting the fish oil on a shelf that I was carrying and I was like, it's going to stay in this spot forever. <laughs> but no, you can't think like that. You constantly need to be rearranging too uh, to keep things fresh. And yeah, we've said this before. If it's been in your store for on average, if it's been in your store for more than four months and it hasn't sold, you need to rotate that out and bring in something that will sell. Okay. And my last tip. It's a gooder. Is get a thick skin. Okay. (laughs) You better be ready. Look, when I started, I was 23 years old. I did not know what I was in for. A rude customer could ruin my day. Hell, I had rude vendors. But don't let a, this is my advice. Don't let a difficult customer ruin your day. They more than likely are going through life hating it and they're taking it out on everyone else around them. So it's not you, it's them. And once you achieve a certain level of success in your business, there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be somebody that may make a, a nasty post on that social media post that you made. Don't take it personally. Again, they're probably going through life spitting out that hatred on everybody. It's not you, it's them. That's not to say that constructive criticism isn't good, but I'm saying don't let the negativity get you down and don't take it personally. You know what? I know, and I know it's hard. You got those corn trolls out there spewing venom on your social media posts and, and it's hard not to take it personally, but consider it a feather in your cap. You don't get haters until you've made it. And when you start getting the haters on your socials, consider that you are on your way to making it. Because until then, it's just your mom and your cousins loving on all your social media stuff. When you start getting the haters on there, that's a good sign that you are, you're reaching more people. But Sherry's right. There's no need for people to be jerks either in person or online. And when they are, 
don't take it personally. It is probably something that they, it's not a you thing. It's a them thing. And I think about one of our best customers. Uh, she called the store for the very first time. She had never shopped with us and she was looking for a product that we were carrying. Another store had dropped it. She was frantic. She was not necessarily nice on the phone. And she was like, what are you going to do for me? Because I need to get this food for my dog. Of course, my store manager called me and told me what was happening. And I said, you know what? I don't think it's an us thing. She's never dealt with us before. So she, she can't be mad at us already. I think she's scared. She's out of food for her dog. She doesn't know where she's going to get it. She's trying to get what she always got. So I said, you know what? When she comes in, this is what we're going to do for her. And we were very generous. And I said, and we're going to make her a customer for life. And she has shopped with us ever since. And she can't say enough good things about us. When she came in and we said, hey, here, this is what we're going to do for you. She broke down crying and hugged my store manager because she was so thankful. And if we would have just went like, you were a jerk on the phone. So we're going to be jerks to you too that wouldn't have happened, right? And we never would have got her as a lifetime customer. Don't take it personally. It is not usually a you thing. It is a them thing. And maybe I just have thick skin. I worked in the government for 25 years. Uh, I was hated my whole life. <laughs> no, ki kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Yeah. You yes. get more bees with honey than vinegar. There are so many cliche terms we could use. <laughs> Guys, this episode went on a little long, but I, I really hope you got some good knowledge nuggets out of it. Thank you for listening to the end. And you got anything else, Carly? I just want to say, you know what, Pet Pros, we are going to slay the year. We're starting off. It is a longer episode than normal. It was, I think, full of a bunch of great tips. Again, you eat that elephant one bite at a time, you guys. You don't have to implement everything, but definitely take something away when you can. And crush this year. We started off long because we got 363 more days to go in this year. And we got lots of time to do it. So we got lots of things to share. Awesome. Okay. Thank you guys. We'll see you next time. Happy New Year. Merry Ukrainian Christmas in five days. Bye-bye, Pet Pros. That's it for this episode, Pet Pro. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe. Just hit all the buttons. So you never miss the podcast that makes you sit, stay, and beg for more. The, the Pet, Pet Shop, Shop Girls. Girls. Here we go. There's some upbeat music. La, 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 la. Or Sherry's. <laughs> woo, woo. Wee, 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 wee. There's Sherry's upbeat music.